Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And today we're going to have an episode that is a little different than what we would usually focus on just because, um, you know, of what's happening right now and everything that we are seeing all over the United States and all over the world. And obviously we don't want to appear deaf. We obviously are taking the time to educate ourselves. So... Today, we're just kind of focus on some things we want to share with you guys, some resources that we really have found impactful and, you know, just kind of open up the conversation a little bit more because I know we haven't um, spoken about this yet. Yeah. And I think we, as friends, haven't really talked about what all, you know, the protests, white privilege, anti-racism means to us and what we want to do. So I think this episode will be a good one just Mm -hmm. for us to be vulnerable with you guys and talk to you guys about this, but also talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So as many of you know, there have been protests all across the United States, some of them peaceful and some of them not because of police brutality and George Floyd's death that was in Minneapolis. Um, I truly believe that if you don't know what's going on, you probably don't ever get on the internet and you live under a rock because this is huge. It's on the news. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. And it's really opened my eyes to a lot of different things, um, such as what white privilege is and how I am privileged and everything like that. So I know that there were more than just George Floyd's death, um, Breonna Taylor as well, and Ahmaud Aubrey. I mean, there's been many just in the past few months. And I really believe that that's the reason that so many people in this country are uh, protesting because they're tired of it. Yeah. And um, we've seen it firsthand, you know, here in Oklahoma City, you know, there's been several protests and um Like we said, we've been taking time to kind of learn more and maybe even introspect and look at our biases that we may have had. You know, we are both, you know, on the outside. I would say people consider us white. I'm actually Hispanic. So I've dealt with a lot of bullying and racism, just the fact that I speak Spanish and that I am Hispanic. So I get it. But also, like, I do have, you know, I grew up predominantly, you know, with people who are privileged anyway. Like even when I was in South America, I went to schools that have very privileged kids there and, you know, from all over the world. So I know that um, 
I'm definitely privileged in that sense. But I do understand that racism comes in all kinds of forms. You know, sometimes you don't even realize it when you're saying it to somebody, because I definitely know that there's sometimes people say things to me that about me being Hispanic, and I don't even realize it's racist, and they probably don't even realize they're saying it's racist, but it is. So I... I know how to recognize that. And I think that both of us have realized that we can also be saying things that we don't mean sometimes, not only about, you know, racism, but just, you know, we're being more conscious, I think. Yeah. And I think the all of the conversations that have been sparked have made me and my friends and, you know, more conscious about the things we say about all people. Right. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to say that about what it may seem, because I know people don't maybe know all of our history yeah. that well. We so. haven't really talked about, you know, where we come from and everything like that. I think white privilege is something that I didn't really realize until I was in college. Um, I was in uh, a media class that was about society. And basically my teacher had us all go outside and walk forward and walk backwards for certain things that we had and what we didn't have. And that's when I truly recognized that even compared to my white classmates, I, or all my classmates, I had a lot of privilege and I was just like, wow, okay, this is something that I never really recognized. And I think that coming to law school is something that has helped me one, realize it to know that I can potentially do something about it. And that makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually have a lot of things that we want to share with you guys today, especially like what lawyers are doing right now, what law students can do, what you can do, even if you're not a law student, if you're just someone listening. These are things that we obviously are telling you about because we feel like it's important. Exactly. And then um, later in the episode, we're going to share a really cool opportunity for you guys from our last episode. If you haven't listened, make sure to listen after this one. It's an interview with Valerie Madamba and she has a message for you guys and a really cool opportunity. And then we're going to touch on our internships and the update on that. So, yeah. So as Samantha said, what are lawyers doing and what can they do and what's happening out there in the world as far as help? as a lawyer, you know, what can we do for protesters? What can you do in general, right? Just like I said before, going to law school, I feel like I can help. So number one thing that you can do is voting and making sure that everyone around you is registered to vote. And I want to say this because I think it's never not said enough that it's not necessarily about the presidential election. I mean, obviously right now with everything that's going on, I feel like that is going to be a huge election. It always is, right? But it's just as important as who is your sheriff in your county? Who are your judges? Who is exactly... I'm trying to think of other elected positions. Your legislators. Judges. Your... your senators, the whole, all the people that are elected get elected in November. So guys, we got to get out there if we want to make change in these changes that we're going to talk about even later in the episode. But I know that many of you have read about, we have to make sure that we are putting the right people who want reform and who want change and who aren't going to hold the situation back into office. And yeah, and this is not only regarding issues now, but there's a lot of issues that you guys should really think about and look into who you want to vote for. And exactly. that's that goes on with educating yourself. I mean, 
I can't, you know, I was a political science major, so I tend to be one of the outliers when it comes to knowing a lot about like current events. But, um, I, I always encourage people just educate yourself, you know, watch the news. I know news can be very biased, but there's a lot of websites out there that have unbiased news. Um, and you just have to seek it out, you know, do your research before you form opinions, make sure you look at several sources. I think that's what, you know, smart, educated people do. Yes, I totally agree. Um, another way that lawyers are helping and can continue to help, and also this can go with law students, um, there's a lot of pro bono work being done with lawyers who are handling protesters' cases, and these are in cases where protesters have been like unlawfully arrested. They shouldn't have been arrested, and you know you can go volunteer. A lot of people, if you go on Twitter and search your city and then look up pro bono lawyer, so many lawyers are tweeting out right now. We're gonna mention a few later that they're doing pro bono work, and I'm sure that if you're a law student or a pre law student, they would love to have the extra hands for that. Another thing that you can do as a law student or lawyer or anybody really is really call your legislators. There's a lot of issues such as, you know, solitary confinement for no more than 15 days. We all know, I mean, I've taken classes on the criminal justice system and we all know that a lot of minorities are put in solitary confinement I mean, other people are too. And there's higher rates of incarceration. Exactly. And yeah. the mental health aspect of that, the chances of rehabilitation after that. Just you know, decrease so much. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. So I wanted to touch on the writing or calling your legislator or district attorney, attorney general, all those things, because um, I actually found a petition. I mean, I've been going through, I signed Breonna Taylor's position, um, George Floyd's, and I submitted a pre-written letter to the um, attorney general in Louisville for Breonna Taylor. And I know that someone commented on edgy T14s and said that they have software that can kick out those messages whenever they're like essentially mass messages and they're very similar. So I wrote and I added things, you know, that were touched my heart. And the fact that she was 27 years old, only two years older than me is just insane. The fact that that it was a mistake on the law enforcement's part was also insane. I put all of that in there. I said that I'm a law student. I wanted my message to get heard. So make sure if you do write or um, email or mail a letter or anything like that, um, you give it your personal touch because I think that means so much. But also I wanted to touch on how to protest safely and how to know your rights when you're protesting. Because just like Samantha said, a lot of lawyers out there are helping protesters. But, you know, I really believe that it starts from the beginning. And if we teach our children at school and we teach young minorities and people of color their rights from the beginning, then they can be more educated and they can stand up for themselves, right? So I want to touch on a few things to know your rights and how to protest safely. So there's some interesting pieces of information. Number one, don't go alone. Make a plan in case you're separated from your group because when there's a lot of people around, your phone's not going to work. This one was really interesting to me. Turn off your location data on your phone. As you probably know, they can track us and by they, the government, whoever wants to basically can track us on our Bluetooth and data and where we are. So turn that off. We just want to go ahead and make sure that people aren't using that against us, right? Let someone know where you are, your mom, your dad, 
family, friends, someone in case something happens to you and and make sure that they know your full name and your birthday if they aren't your parent or your family and give that uh, emergency contact information for your group also to your family member um, just in case because you never know what might happen. Um, Wear pants and wear long sleeves. Make sure that you're protected in case any rubber bullets come, pepper spray, anything like that. I mean, I want to say that it, it will be peaceful, but the sad part is it's not always that way, right? So you want to protect yourself and especially right now, make sure that you're wearing a mask because that is the most important thing with COVID. It's still here, you guys. Yeah. I just want to reiterate, please wear a mask if you are going out to the protests or anywhere right now, even in Oklahoma, we're still getting, you know, a hundred plus cases a day. So it's definitely not going away. And if, you know, what they're saying is like you show symptoms up to two weeks later and people are just now getting diagnosed. Um, that means that it's still really out there. So just, you know, a little PSA on that. So one of touching back on the writing and calling legislators, another issue that I think is really important, um, is the requirement of racial impact statements on criminal justice bills. So basically this requirement would would requirement would have to evaluate bills to make sure that if the bill becomes law, is it going to, is it going to create problems for certain minority groups? Yeah. And and that might be in a way of like where they live or where Mm -hmm. the bill, you know, statutes and everything like that are very word specific as if you are in law school, you know, and if you're going to law school, you will find out. So exactly. So it's very important, like you're saying, um, to, recognize those. I think that I didn't even know what that meant till you just said that. So basically is what you're saying, the racial impact statement, is that a statement that's in the it's, legislation? Okay, so or? basically it's something that would make it required for when there's a bill about criminal justice, that the bill is evaluated to see the outcome, right? Is the outcome going to make certain minority groups worse off, better off, kind of just like a report? And, um, there's a website that we're going to link below with the, um, it's sentencingproject.org. And this website has all the states because not every state has this requirement, but a lot do. It has a list of all the states and what they're doing. Like Oklahoma just in 2019 proposed something about this. So, you know, if Oklahoma's just doing in 2019, I'm sure there's other states that still haven't even touched on it. And this website has what your state's doing. And if they haven't, go ahead and call. I think that's a great thing too, not only for, uh, you know, the black community, but the Hispanic community, Asian. I mean, there's so many people out there and I think this is super big. I think this is the way that you change what's already enacted. You kind of assess and take account of what the bills and excuse me, the law looks like now. So because there's things that are already in place that are oppressing people right now. And I think that this is something that can help. So that's really cool. Um, So now we're going to just talk about some lawyers, some organizations that are helping out right now. So do you have any lawyers in mind that you want to talk about? Yes, I do know a few lawyers that are doing some amazing work. So yeah, Taisha Kimbrough down in Austin. She's a solo practitioner and she is helping protesters know their rights. She does all kinds of different law, but she is specifically helping them who anyone in Austin or in that area that has been affected by the protests. 
pro bono. She also grew up in San Antonio, I'm pretty sure. So she's a fellow Texan and is down there. So please reach out to her if you're in that area. And also Brian Clark here in Oklahoma City is also helping protesters. He's a defense attorney. Um, He clearly specializes more in this area. And I think that he would be a great asset for anyone who is in the Oklahoma City area that needs to talk to a lawyer, maybe about their rights. But also... I want to give a tidbit on rights and violations of those rights in protest. So maybe you um, want to protest, but you don't know your rights and you want to make sure that you're protected. So the First Amendment gives Americans the right to assemble, including the right to free speech and the right to demonstrate. So basically you have that right to protest. No one can tell you no. The government can impose restrictions on a protest, including curfews, Protesters can be arrested or cited for blocking traffic or violating a said curfew. So if you aren't violating a curfew and you aren't blocking traffic, you know, it's going to, you shouldn't be asked to move or be pushed down or pushed away. And you do not need a permit to march in the streets or sidewalks if you are not obstructing cars or pedestrian traffic or blocking access to a government building. So I think this is important because organizing protests um, is something that people can do. And if you organize it and you do it beforehand, you can block off the streets. You're not blocking traffic. You're not getting in the way of cars. And that allows you to not break the law. And of course, um, just like she said, if you're peacefully protesting, there should be no issues. And that's when you, if you are arrested, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, that's when you call one of these lawyers and they will help you out. Um, so if you do believe your rights have been violated, what should you do? Obviously write down everything. If you can get car numbers, badge numbers, if they were for a certain agency, location of where anything happened, make sure you have, you know, as much as you can remember written down. If you even have a video, whatever. I mean, that's the best evidence, you know? Also, if there's any witnesses, if there's some people around you, get their names and numbers. And then um, just file a complaint. And also, like I said, we're going to be mentioning some lawyers and you can reach out to them um, if you're in our area, because a lot of our listeners are from the Oklahoma City area and Texas area. So that's why we're plugging mostly that. But another organization that I think is really helpful right now is the Bail Project. So the Bail Project is a national nonprofit organization that provides free bail assistance and pretrial support to thousands of low income people every year. So this means that defendants, you know, usually if they can, you know, pay bail, they're out. And there's a lot of people who can't afford that. And these people usually are not a flight risk and it's honestly making the taxpayers pay way more. Last year, U.S. taxpayers paid $9 billion just in, you know, keeping people in jail. That's insane. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. 
It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. And it's also very interesting because I saw some people speak about the Bell Project and I had no idea that um, so many people can't afford bail, which then puts them in jail, which overcrowds our jails, which then um, make they have to stay in before their trial. They basically never get out. And it's interesting, too, because whenever you you know look at the uh, wealth gap and the racial wealth gap, that's where that comes from, is that they basically can't afford bail, so then they're stuck mm-hmm. in jail, and it's because they have been oppressed before and haven't had you know, so on. And it just, it's like a horrible trickle down effect. Exactly. And like we said, a lot of tax dollars are going there when they shouldn't have to. Another lawyer here in OKC, he actually tweeted out that he was helping protesters that were unlawfully arrested. And he's an Oklahoma City criminal defense attorney. His name is Jason Spanich. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. But like I said, if you're in Oklahoma City and you think your rights have been violated, definitely give one of the lawyers that we mentioned a ring because they're pro bono. So Yeah. And we'll obviously link all of the attorneys that we mentioned and maybe a few more for Texas um, in the show notes. So next we're going to dive into ways that you and I and you out there listeners can help before you're a practicing attorney, right? Basically, what can we do right now? So I did a lot of research and I came up with a few steps that I personally want to go through and have gone through and would like all of you to go through. So number one, ask yourself daily what you can do to stop racism. That's a huge one. I think evaluating it in yourself is the first step. Then once you've done that, learn as much as you can about the history of race in the United States. Um, There's a podcast by the New York Times, um, 619. It's about slavery in the United States. 13 on Netflix is another great one. You can learn a lot about this huge gap of time and how it affected the United States and why people thought of African-Americans and slaves in that way. Once you kind of learn a little bit about history and race, the history of the race in the United States, then observe how your position of privilege plays out every day in your life. This is one for me that I think is going to take a little bit of time. Um, I think I kind of realize different things every day, but also whenever you're surrounded by people that are like you, it's hard to really recognize. So I just challenge everyone to recognize their privilege. I think just like recognizing how racism is around you and how you can stop it, you should also recognize the privileges you have and how you can give back in a sense. I think going along with recognizing your privileges um, also you know, it's okay to call out your friends respectfully. And if your friends call you out respectfully, like 
you know, just be civil about it and like realize that they're not, no one's trying to hurt anybody by teaching you or calling out your privilege. Or if you act in a way that you may not even know you're acting. Cause I know that, you know, people have said to me like, Oh, like you shouldn't do that. Or she didn't say that. And I'm like, Oh, well, I mean, I didn't even know, you know, I totally agree. And I think that's happening a lot more now. I think it's in our, at least in our friend group, I think we are always to have, I mean, we tend to have very educated conversations normally, but this is also a topic that we've tried to educate ourselves on and talk more about it and have those hard conversations because I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff. I know like we're doing a few things and there's a few ideas that we have that we want to share. I think one would be like watching some movies like 13th, Just Mercy, When They See Us. I mean, get a group of friends and watch it together and talk about it. I know that we've been talking a lot about this and we'll sit with our friends and just like ask each other questions about like what we think about certain topics. And then it's really eye-opening to see that, you know, some people may not be as educated and then you can teach them and then it's great. And I think also people can teach you too, because I know that my friends have taught me a lot these past few days as well. Um, And that just goes along with like educating yourself and people around you. You mentioned this before, there's petitions you can sign right now. We're going to link a few below. And then I think a big one is like, especially going into law school your first year, be mindful of who you're being friends with. Like I would, we have, I would say a diverse group of friends, you know, and I would seek that out. I've always had a diverse group of friends. You know, I grew up in South America. I, even though it might have been privileged, it was still diverse, you know? So I would just try to do that actively. Yeah. And I want to build off that. My last point was exactly that. While make sure you're doing these things daily in your life and you're recognizing yourself, make sure that you are building strong relationships with people of color and minorities and ask them about their direction and educate and learn from them, help them, excuse me, allow them to educate you and follow their lead. Because as a white woman in the United States, I find myself unknowingly doing things that might not help minorities. And I don't mean it that way, right? And I think a lot of people might feel the same way. Yeah, I just think building a relationship with people of color is very important. And just like you said, Samantha, seeking out a diverse group within law school is also really important. I know that some law schools, it can seem like everyone's the same. And maybe you might be the minority as a female or as an African-American female or an African-American male. I know there are a lot of white men in law. So, you know, don't be afraid to be friends with everybody. I think that that's an important thing too. And also, I think just opening up your eyes to different organizations within your school. I know that we're going to be, well, we're on the exec for the Texas Legal Society, and I'm sure that we will definitely be trying to work with other organizations in our law school that include all minorities too, you know? Exactly. So I have a few quotes that I just wanted to read that are from different people that I just thought were really impactful to me. So this was from an article I'll link below, but it's really important for me, this lady said, to reflect on what being white means and to remember that my position as a white person grants me certain unearned privileges throughout my daily life that are really easy to take for granted as a white person. But 
that people of color don't take for granted because they see that they're not being afforded the same opportunity. And so exactly what I was saying earlier, I don't recognize a lot of these things. And I'm really thankful for the amount of content that The Daily, shout out, um, has posted this week about different um, protests and different people's stories. And it's really opened my eyes to people's situations that have happened to them that I have never experienced, most likely never will, and how wrong I thought it was. I mean, I just... It makes me fired up and it makes me want to do something. So I think that it's important to make sure that you're recognizing that. Okay, one more quote. There are too many white, well-meaning people running from the racial conversation within the white community. And so then it creates a dynamic where people of color, black people predominantly, are running from racial violence. Basically saying that if we don't talk about this, we're causing the problem. And it's so important to talk about this in your friend groups as young people with your family and Thanksgiving and Christmas when your aunt or uncle or your grandparents are saying a racist comment to say, hey, we can't be like that anymore. We have to be better. And I think, um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of parents, grandparents, older people that may not have the same views it's going to be hard to talk to them. But also I think as our generation is growing up and we start to have families and have children that we're going to be the initial people who are going to make this change from the beginning, like raising our children in ways that they are respectful towards everybody and that there is no racism, but it's actively, everyone has to do that in order for there to be a worldwide United States wide change. Exactly. And those and those quotes were from Tuana Petty and Dessa Cosmo from the Detroit Equity Action Lab. So these ladies are very much so in this every day trying to help people in Detroit. Um, so if they are t- talking about this, these, these are people on the front lines that are basically telling us that might be more sheltered to the situation. Hey, we got to do these things. So keep those quotes to top of mind. I'm going to link that article for you to check out and. Yeah. So we have a really exciting opportunity for you guys. So Valerie Madamba, who was on our last episode, reached out and wanted to offer you guys an awesome opportunity with her coaching services. So Valerie, if you guys didn't listen to the last episode, well, definitely go listen to that after this. We'll link it in the bio. But she is a food lawyer who also has a business that works with introverted introverted professionals. So Valerie is offering to provide pro bono coaching to a female person of color law student who is introverted. So Valerie's coaching will explore lots of different ways to work with your introversion, what it actually means to be an introvert and how it's different from shyness and how it affects the way a person thinks and processes information. Also like how the unique traits of introverts can be superpowers in the legal profession and how quieter law students can reduce their anxiety and improve their experience in class and at work, including summer internships and uh, internships in the fall. So to apply, you simply go to the link quietadvocate.com scholarship we'll link it below and fill out the application um, there will be at least one slot open um, the coaching will last between six and eight weeks and anyone who applies will be considered and more slots will potentially open up in the future so if you apply and you might not get it you could potentially work with her in the future we'll be right back <laughs> 
Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends, the ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American, hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. This is a great opportunity, and I really encourage everyone um, to go apply. Valerie's really cool, and obviously, if you heard the interview, you know she's very knowledgeable. So definitely check that out. The link will be in the bio. So now we're going to go to something I've been looking forward to, and I know Samantha has as well, the Intern Diaries We've gotten a ton of questions about what an internship looks like, what an externship looks like, um, what working looks like. And I know I always wondered as a law student and a pre-law student, what what's working as a lawyer look like and what do you do during law school as a law clerk? Like, what does all that mean? So I actually was supposed to start last week, but sadly, someone in the DA's office um, tested positive for COVID. And because of that, our date has been pushed back and fingers crossed that I get to start sooner rather than later. But right now I'm just focusing on, it's given me a lot of time to do a lot of education for myself and focus on school. So I started last Tuesday, no Wednesday. I was supposed to start on Tuesday, but I ended up starting on Wednesday and I had been in this office. I told y'all probably right before Corona, I like interned for a literally a day. I was supposed to start earlier, obviously. Um, so I had some familiar, 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 I had some idea of what I, I had some, an idea of what I was getting into when I showed up. So the first day I showed up, I was all dressed really cute. I'm going to post a picture today. The day that you're hearing the episode on our story, you'll see the outfit that I wore on my first day and I'll link all of the, you know, stores that everything was bought at hashtag J crew banana Republic. Thank you for your outlet. Um, so and yeah. she wore these great shoes that I let her borrow and they looked awesome with the outfit. So can't wait for y'all to see it. Hashtag fashion. Yes. It's really cute. And yes, thank you for those shoes. And now I'm going to buy myself a pair. Um, so anyway, besides that I show up and you know, I got paired with my supervising attorney and I'm thinking I'm going to be with her the, probably the whole summer. Um, because the past few days that I've been interning, I pretty much stuck with her and I think it just is a good dynamic. So she primarily focuses on delinquent um, cases, but also does deprived cases. So delinquent cases are juvenile cases where, you know, they're getting arrested for doing a crime, right? From graffiti to selling drugs, like their kids really do get in trouble. Um, Deprived court deals more with, you know, kids that have been taken out of their homes, um, foster kids, kids that their parents may be in prison right now and uh, they're in the foster care system. And, you know, it's just really sad. I personally don't know if I can do deprived because I went to court last, like back in March, I went to deprived court and it was really sad. Um, 
but you know, someone has to do it, you know? But yeah, other than that, we went to court all day. I guess I saw a few cool things. There was a lady that was almost held in contempt at one point. So that was very cool. It was like watching TV. This lady was like screaming and cussing at the judge and just being a complete fool. And the judge called her out, told her, you know, had the police go after her, um, brought her back, told her she's be, she'd be held in contempt if she did it again. So, you know, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like my lawyer dreams. <laughs> like, this is what I want to see in court, you know? Exactly. And I think it's really interesting that the judge was like, hey, you need to come back. And I mean, he was like, ma'am, yeah, get back And in that here. voice, I, I can only imagine like how you're like... <gasps> And she doesn't care. She just no, she going. just walked out. She ripped off her mask because we have to wear masks while we're in court. Also, we have to wear... We Initially, the first few days, we weren't wearing masks in the office because, I mean, we all know we didn't have it. Yeah. But now that, you know, the DA... Yeah. Uh, word spreads fast. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, the DA's office um, and the public defender's office, um, both the juvenile division and the downtown office, they know everything. Like, one person says something in the downtown office and we know it like 20 minutes later. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure last time we talked about this, that Samantha works at a different office than I, but we both kind of work for like the state, but opposite sides. Right. So yeah, she was, um, telling me about how one of the attorneys had coronavirus and the next thing you know, they're all having to wear a mask. And I'm just like, Oh, <sighs> Dang it. Yeah. I had to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. But I mean, no one else has gotten it so far, I'm guessing. I mean, I'll probably find out when I go into work on Tuesday if anyone else has it, but you know, it's spreading. So wear wear your masks. Again, PSA, wear your masks if you're going to be out in public and don't go out to the bars and be stupid. Yeah. Um, I also (laughs) think... Oh, I think that's funny. She told me a lot of really cool stories. I think that you've had a lot of cool clients. A lot of this stuff, you know, I want to share, but also I don't know if I can. Because I mean, attorney-client privilege. Exactly. It is like cases privacy. that I'm reading. I mean, they're juveniles. So I'm, I'll get back to you guys. I'll talk to my supervising attorney and see how much I'm able to share with you guys. But um, as of right now, I don't think I can just yeah. because they are juveniles and technically, you know, juvenile court is very private. The files are sealed, um, et cetera, et cetera. So for now you guys might hear something later, but yeah, stay tuned. And I think it's really interesting. Like she'll get there in the morning, she'll go to court. Um, they'll be there for a while. They might ha- see a few cases while they're in court and then they'll have a long lunch break and then they go back and do usually go to court after so okay so this week was majority court um and i know next week is gonna be majority court as well but on thursday we did get to do like some office work you know and i'm i'm pretty used to filing and doing office work from my old job so we helped her um you know, prepare her docket for next week. So that's when she gives us all the cases she has and we have to pull out the file and kind of organize it for her because she goes to court at 9.30, 10.30, 1.30, and 3.30. So um, we separate the files in that way. And then she also had us, you know, look through files and look for um, police reports. And if the police report was missing, we had to tell her so she can ask the DA to send them over. Um, So it's just stuff like that, you know, looking through files, looking for certain things that the attorney needs, um, really and scanning. That's a lot of what I did. I did scanning for like two hours, but also 
I mean, right now, I think they have a lot of work done because they had coronavirus. They kind of got to work from home, get a lot done. So I think it's going to start picking up once we start getting new cases. And I mean, she was appointed to so many clients already just in the first week back. So I think it's about to get hectic. So that's exciting. I mean, I know that while scanning things might not sound fun, I mean, it's, it can be pretty fun. I mean, just being back there, seeing the behind the scenes, you know, reading motions, reading responses, like all these things, just being around the law and all these lawyers just coming into each other's offices and just asking questions about like certain doctrines and like things that I've heard in law school. And it's just very cool to see in person. And yeah, I mean, I think I'll have a lot more to talk. I just, I worked for two days, so there's not much, but, um, I'm really excited to see what else I learn. And I've been taking notes for you guys. Cause I, at the end, I want to do a whole review of what I've done. So that's awesome. Well, I know I'm excited to hear more and I'm sure our listeners are as well, but I guess that's pretty much what we wanted to share with you guys today. You know, like we said, this is, um, really important to us. And I know it's important to a lot of people. And we wanted to make sure that you guys know that we are allies and that we support it wholeheartedly. And, you know, we are aware of what's happening. Yeah. And we're doing a lot to educate ourselves as well. And I think that we're just going to have to keep pushing forward and keep educating ourselves and keep having these conversations. Um, I really encourage any of our listeners who listen to this episode and feel some type of way uh, to share with us just because, I mean, it helps us understand how our listeners feel in our content and help us plan for you guys. I mean, like Samantha said, we are not deaf and we know what's going on in the world right now and we want to be impactful. And also like, like I said, we are educating ourselves. So if we say something, even in this episode that, you know, educate us more if, if there's anything we said, um, cause we're always open to that and please share this episode if you liked it. Um, you know, we're, we're going to post an Instagram post about it and tag your friends in it. You know, we, um, think it's important for creators and, you know, I don't consider us influencers, but I guess our brand ladies who law school is technically the influencer, you know, it's our job. Exactly. Just like she said, make sure that you share our episode on Instagram. If you feel so obliged, share it with your friends and uh, make sure and like us on Facebook. Join the Facebook group if you would like. I mean, we can have more conversations like this and we can educate each other and we can build each other up even more in our Facebook group. So please reach out to us, join it. We'd love to have more conversations with you guys. Also, um, all if you've ordered merch, almost everybody has had it delivered. If you've had any issues with your order, please let us know and we'll get a replacement. It's just been crazy. We're obviously so new to this and and PSA, merch is going to go offline probably mid-summer and we're going to redo completely new brands. We're going to be in charge of it so there's no more issues because honestly, we don't want to let y'all buy a product if it's not perfect. So yeah, sorry about the de- like the delivery delays again. And if you haven't received your merch, it is coming. I've double checked every order and they will be in your hands next week. So on that note, rate and subscribe. We love seeing your guys' five-star reviews. And we'll talk to you guys again next 
next week. Thanks, yep. guys. Bye. Bye.